continue a series, uh, our third check, check. I'm going to go ahead and take this. Something's going on with the mic, I think, Joel. So I'm going to go ahead and take ads here. All right. A well, series that we call, you can, now you can turn the gain down a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to be making everything squeak, but uh, he is. As we head into Christmas, yes, Christmas is coming soon, and, um, and Thanksgiving, uh, and we begin to speak about our manual. I want to be reminded of, of all of the ways we find Jesus in the Old Testament, because I want you to know that the story has always been about Jesus. And so last week, I want to I do like I did last week, and I'm just going to take on from the, give the rest of this message from the perspective of someone who was in the Old Testament. I'm not going to change my clothes. I'm not going to dress up like them. I'm not going to talk like them. I'm just simply going to give the account from their perspective. All right? So if you're, if you're listening to this on, on audio or watching this on Facebook, I'm not getting ready to lose my mind. I'm going to take on the uh, perspective of a biblical character. So this morning, my name is Abraham. Now, look, I don't have a lot of time today, and the pastor said that he wants you guys to get your meeting started a little bit earlier, so I just want you not to blame anything. If we go a little long, don't blame anything on Pastor Brody. Blame it on Abraham, okay? I have a lot to tell you about, but, so, but today I just want to focus on a couple things. I want to talk to you today about covenant, and I want to talk to you about sacrifice. Because, see, my story began in a place called Haran, and, and God talks about this place called Ur of the Chaldeans, but my father... Um, my, my father, Terah, he brought us out of Ur of the Chaldeans in anticipation of what God was about to do. And so one day he came to us just like I came to all of my family and I said, hey, guys, we're going to go to this place. Did you get a job, Abraham? No. Uh, where are we going to go? Well, I don't know. It's somewhere God told us to. Uh, Abraham, what's your plan? I don't know. So one day, just like my father came to, to my family, I had to come to my family and tell them the same thing. I'm about to go somewhere. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what this is going to look, look like, but I'm going to trust God with whatever is next. And you, I see the way you're looking at me now. You would say that if you, somebody, if your kids would come to you or your parents would come to you and say that's what they're going to do, you would say this is unsafe, this is irresponsible, and this is stupid. Yes, that's what they said to me. But nonetheless, they listened and we went. Now, this isn't just me. I have an whole entourage of people that come with me uh, that we have built together as a family, including some servants. And we made our way to this place that has been oftentimes called the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey. And pretty quickly after we get out, this is where the Lord begins to speak to me in a in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 2 through 3, the Lord says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. But yet, a covenant had not been cut yet. Yeah, that's the language we use. We called it cutting a covenant. 
I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But see, when I got to this land, well, there's these, the land of Canaan. You would imagine the Canaanites were there. There were already people there that were in the land. And the Lord speaks this over me as I begin to realize this. In Genesis 12, 7, the Lord says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. And so in that moment, I built an altar there to, and to the Lord who had appeared to me. And I memorialized this moment that God is going to give this land to me. He's going to bless my offspring. And at that time, I made a memorial, but we had not cut a covenant yet. And so how do you get the Canaanites out of Canaan? Well, the next thing that happened was there was this intense famine in the land. And so many people were fleeing and trying to, you know, they had been established there, so they were doing everything they could to stay put, but it was easy enough for me and my entourage to go into Egypt. And so we had some complications and some challenges in Egypt, and, but one thing, the Lord was with me through all those times, and I became blessed. I became rich. I became loaded while I was in Egypt, and, and a lot of things, as I came out, I was more blessed from going to Egypt than even before I went in, and then I always had these issues with my nephew, Lot, and I went to war, and I say war, yeah, me and my people, when, when things went down, we would throw down. That's what we did, and I had to protect and and go, go after my, my nephew, Lot. And, and so all of these things that are taking place, and after I get back, after the Lord has told me he's going to bless me, after I see all this wickedness and all this chaos beginning to happen in the world and, and, and having battle scars and just watching so much loss and wondering, Lord, what's the point of all this? Why did you bring me out of here to have these kind of experiences? And I remember what he said in Genesis 15, 15, 1. Genesis 51, he says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But I was getting confused at this time. And see, so I've been hearing the Lord's voice for a while. And now it's about time for me to start talking back. Because I've been doing this thing for a while. It's been a while. It's been years since I left, since I left Terah. And I've fought in a war. I've, I've seen many people die. I've experienced famine in Egypt. And yes, I've been blessed along the way. But it's like this pie in the sky promise that he keeps giving to me time and time again. And it's like, so you're going to do something for my offspring, Lord. I don't even have a kid yet. I am still childless at this point. And he said, and this guy named Eliezer of Damascus, he's going to be the one that's going to inherit. I mean, he comes in with his tape measure every day. He's finding room for his bed and his tent and everything. Like, what are you going to do through me that's going to fulfill this promise? I don't have a kid. How many other ways can I say that? And, and I'm getting really old. And now, then the Lord says to me crazy things like, just count the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, so shall your offspring be. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how I did it in that moment, but I'm glad I did. I believed God. And Scripture said of me that it was credited to me as righteousness. And then, some of you are going to like this part of the story, then it got really weird, okay? Now, here's what the Lord said to do. Maybe the Lord speaks to you like this. Maybe he doesn't. But this is what the Lord tells me to do. He says, go get a heifer. Go get a goat. Go get a ram. Go get a pigeon. Go get a dove. 
go cut, cut that goat in half. Cut that heifer in half. Cut uh, the goat in half. You don't have to cut the birds in half. That would take a while. But, but nonetheless, I mean, it would, it would, maybe you'd have to chase them, but they still need to be dead, right? So he said, you don't have to cut the birds in half, but you want to take. So I'm, I'm doing all these things, and there's, you know, there's just this blood, and there's this guts all over me. But, and, and he tells me to go and begin to make an aisle. So I make an aisle out of all of the stuff on one side, and I make an aisle out of all the stuff on the other side. And see, you all think this is weird, but, you know, Bedouin culture and people that were even before me, they, we, everybody was doing this thing. They were doing, they had this sense that what it meant to worship and what it meant to be in a covenant with someone was that something had to die. It also meant that on the other side of that covenant, that, that if the terms of that covenant were not meant, met, then someone would die. Like, y'all have, like, cable contracts and cell phone contracts. If you fail on those, you're probably not going to die, okay? But with ours, this is what it meant to cut a covenant. And even wedding ceremonies were like this back in the day. That they would, And this is where this begins. When someone gets married, they walk down the aisle, and you don't even know where all this comes from. It comes from blood and guts way back in the Bible. Because back in the day, it used to be where if you would, if someone were to get married, the, the father of the bride, the parents of the bride and the parents of the groom would actually walk down the aisle first and they would say, if my son or my daughter do not fulfill these vows, then this could be done to me. So the parents even had a sense of accountability in the marriage, not contract, covenant in the marriage covenant. And so the Lord is asking me to do all of this. I mean, he's asking me to set this apart. And so in the back of my mind, I like, oh, no. He's about to give me some terms, and I don't think I'm going to make this. So at some point soon, I'm going to die. And I fell into a deep, dark sleep. And the Lord passed through as a torch, as a flaming pot, and he never asked me to walk through. It was a promise that he was going to keep his vows. He was going to keep his covenant with me. Me and the Lord had a covenant we had cut a covenant together. Now, still this point, I had no idea how this is going to work. I still don't have a kid. We just had this crazy experience, and I still don't have a kid. So I have this idea that I'm going to go, and, you know, Tamar was, was technically my wife Sarai's servant, and I know y'all say that, you know, polygamy and all this kind of stuff is strange, that you shouldn't be doing that, whatever. You guys are all judging me from back in the Old Testament. But nonetheless, it didn't work for us very well in the Old Testament either because I had a relationship with, with, my, with my wife's servant, and I had a child. Anybody know what, what, his chi- what that child's name was? All right, maybe not. Ishmael. Have you ever heard of Ishmael? And now still all of the Arab nations begin with Ishmael, just like the Jewish nations begin with, who would later be my son, Isaac. And because of my stupid decision, still to this day, Isaac and Ishmael are going at each other. And so as Adam said, my bad last week, my bad, guys. It all began with my stupid decision that I had a better way than God did with Hagar. Now, so I begin to think I can fulfill the plan of God through Ishmael. And the Lord invites me to this experience of, 
of circumcision, and he's telling me a promise of how he's going to fulfill, and I'm not going to talk to you about circumcision. I think you understand why, but here's what it says in Genesis 17, 15 through 21. He said, God also says to me, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from from her. And Abraham fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man who is a hundred years old? hundred years old. Will Sarah be a child at the age of 90? Bingo, you're not even old enough to have kids yet by my standard. All right? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing, then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for, for his descendants after him. And then life goes on. I still don't have Isaac yet, and I had to plead for Sodom and Gomorrah, and I watched the world continue to become wicked uh, more wicked time and time again. And Genesis 21, 1 through 5 finally tells us what happened. It says that, did I put that one in there? Genesis 21, 1 through 5. Well, this is the account that Isaac was finally born. And as you can imagine my joy in Isaac being born, I have this crazy experience with the Lord one day where he tells me to take Isaac and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, and I will show you. And so I'm cutting the wood for the burnt offering for the sacrifice of the, uh, the son that God gave me that he told me he would fulfill his vow through. Ah, I don't know if you guys have had a moment like this. I mean, you know, today, you guys all think I'm, I'm like celebrating the Hall of Fame in your scriptures, but man, children's services would be all over me. I, I bound Isaac, you know, put wood underneath him, was ready to start the fire, but I thought I'd raise my knife first. But I mean, you imagine what's going on here. This is really weird. I'm not really understanding the ways of God. None of this stuff is making sense at all. But I have obeyed this far, and what the Lord had told me would come to pass continues to come to pass. Now, I just got to remind you that this idea of death, it was something still fresh in all of our minds at this point. It goes back to the guy you met last week, Adam. In the beginning, there was this reality that we were going to have to die. Death was one of the many things that was a reminder that things were not right in the world. And so in a sick way, it's like I would understand that something, I don't understand the plans of God, but I understand that something or someone or something has to die for things to be made right again. Please understand me. I don't have all the theology figured out. I don't completely understand the ways of God, but I did have this intuition that if this is the Lord's will, then I must do what he's asking. As I lifted up the knife in the air, the angel of the Lord told me to stop. He told me to look to the brush and a lamb had been provided. But it is in here that the Lord made many promises to me and that that now he would begin to fulfill all of his promises to me. 
and, the, and, and finally had a sense that, that, that he would go forth and continue what had began. That this was my final moment of trust, my final moment of faith. But what this was in this moment was a moment of provision. Now, I've talked to you about covenant. I've talked to you about sacrifice. But what I really came here to tell you is about the one who has come long after me. I want to tell you that he is, Jesus Christ is, the new covenant. He is the final sacrifice. He is the one, as I had to leave my home, he had to leave his nature and make his dwelling here on earth. As Philippians 2.11 says, it says, He who began in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on the cross. His presence and his spirit is the ultimate blessing. As I have been blessed, we are blessed through many things, and he is the ultimate sacrifice. But here is what he told us what would happen with the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. It says, Jeremiah 31, 31, 34. I think I put that verse up there wrong. I don't know if you can get to that one. But he says, you... He speaks of the new covenant, that a time is coming when there will no longer be people with uncircumcised hearts, that I will put my, my law within their hearts and they will all know me. That's what Jeremiah prophesied in Colossians 2, 11 through 15. Do we got that one? In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh and put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him, I'm talking about you now, in which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. See, he is the new covenant. Jesus is the new covenant that has been made available to each and every one of you. So what I'm trying to tell you is I had to, you think I had it good because I heard from God, but there were lots of times where the Lord was absent. Today, you sitting, all of you sitting here in church, you can't fake this one. He's here. The spirit of God is here. Either you believe him or you don't. Either you say yes to him or you don't. Either you pretend or you're authentic. And sure, the truth is that we're all a little bit of both each time, but, but this in this new covenant, when we make the mistakes, when we drop the ball, it doesn't require our death. It simply requires our repentance. That is what he did for you. I'm happy that the Lord showed up with a lamb that day, with a ram that day, but someone else was coming through my line that would show up for all creation. And he is here through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is here now. Will you let him be your God? And will you be a man or woman of God that is authentic to his power, to his call on your life? Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for this word that has been passed on from generation to generation. We thank you that you are the new covenant. You are, you are the God that is present with us through your death and resurrection on the cross. We thank you that we can now have a covenant that is internal. A covenant because you have died for us and brought redemption to all of mankind. Throughout all of the Old Testament, there was a recognition that something was wrong. Something needed to be fixed. And Lord, you have been our answer. But yet we often tread upon that reality each and every day. May we be humbled as we're reminded of our Emmanuel, our God with us. He is the new covenant. He is the God within us, and he is here at this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I am going to invite you to stand for your benediction. And that way, if you think you need a restroom break or anybody needs to connect with anyone before we get started uh, with our meeting, we're going to start in two minutes. But your benediction this morning, I'll invite you to stand. May you receive the blessing of the new covenant and the blessing of the sacrifice that has been made for you and experience the presence of God and know the living God who desires to walk with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I hope you can all stick around. We'll take two minutes. And Terry, as soon as that says 1119, if you can get us going, all right?